It's the beginning of the school year. Did you start it off with inspiration or just a first day? I hope it was inspiration. You need to have a culture that project-based learning lives in so that really any learning lives in so that it's moving your school along. A culture is like the current in a river. Like if you're in a river and the current's moving, like even if you're not paddling, like you're still moving down river. And then if you're paddling, goodness, now you're really moving. And I saw this happen in a school in Louisville, and there was a learner, as I was there in a school visit, a learner came to talk to his teacher and just said, hey, I'm going to, I got to come right back at the end of school, and I'm going to turn in this paper that I owe you. And it was like on his phone, and but but he knew he wanted to turn it in. And like, where did that come from? Like, his teacher wasn't, like, chasing him down. His teacher wasn't saying, hey, you need this for a grade. But there was a culture of, I do good work, and I want people to see it. And because of that culture, this student was like just drug along by the culture. Like it moved him along of, I'm going to turn this in because I want to do really good work. Your culture is really important. And I think you want to add inspiration into that. So we bring in inspiring guests to the PBL Simplified podcast like Brad Herdick. Brad's on today and he is an inspirational speaker. And he speaks to thousands of students every year, just a ton. And he has a story that's exciting. Like he's been on ESPN. He's been on TV to talk about these things. And his story is going to inspire you. It's going to inspire your students. You need that in the culture that you're building at your school. You're going to love this episode. Before we get to that, I want to give you some free resources. You know, you've got what is PBL.com? What is pbl.com. And when you go there, we're going to differentiate the resources for you. If you're an administrator, you get a whole different line of resources. If you're a teacher, there's a whole different line of, re- of resources for you. So go there now. Have your staff go there so that they're loaded up with resources to build out culture, to build out project-based learning, to make this work happen. Are resources the only thing? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like you have to have a vision that you're leading people down. That's why this podcast exists so that we can help you take your vision off of the page and bring it into your school. And I want to bring a ton of resources, but you are the person that's going to help bring that. Like I want you to be fully funded. I want your backpack to be full. I want you to have all the tools that you need in your tool bag. Whatever metaphor works for you, I want you to be ready to build it, but you still have to build it. Right. And I think you can do that. If you're in this community, if you're listening, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, then I think you can start to build it out. And actually, if you want some more help with that, we've got a conference coming up in October. If you haven't heard about it, you need to, you need to take a look. You go to pblmovement.com, pblmovement.com, and you still need in-person conferences. You need them as the leader. Bring your leadership team too. But you need them because you need the inspiration that Brad's going to bring today. Now, Brad's not going to be there, and maybe he should be. Maybe that was a bad move by me. But we're going to be there to inspire you in, in word, but also in the work that you're going to create, right? Like every time we do a workshop, it's you creating what you need for your school and your context right now. Whether it's a teacher workshop or a leader workshop, whatever it is, you're creating it. That's why you're engaged in it. That's how we get into rigorous topics. And same thing that happens in the classroom, but we're going to live it out in this conference. So go to pblmovement.com to get details and to sign up today. Right now, you get to listen to Brad Herdick and He's soft-spoken on the podcast, not in person on stage. You can go to bradherdig.com and, uh, and and see the work that he does on stage. You should you should absolutely book him. But I think you're going to get value out of it today. 
because your work is important. Your work inspires students to greatness. It inspires teachers to greatness, things that they wouldn't be able to do on their own. The quotes that you bring into a staff meeting, they matter. The words that you say to students in the hallway, they matter. Your work is super important. And I hope that this talk that you hear from Brad Herg today, our conversation, uh, helps you uh, fan that flame, that you know that there's inspiration in what you do and that it matters. Enjoy Visionary Leader. All right, Visionary Leaders, great to have you on another PBL Leadership Guest episode. This is where we bring in somebody from education, sports, or business to give you a leg up in your leadership. So you're trying to bring your vision off of the page into your school, and you need as much help as you can get, honestly, because your job's really hard. So today, we brought in an inspirational speaker, Brad Hurdig. He talks to uh, schools and does schools assemblies across the country and has an awesome story, and we get to hear that and share it today. Brad, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you, Ryan, for having me. Oh, absolutely. Um, so you still get the main question that everybody gets. So every guest gets this question first, and it's what is your why for the work that you do? That's great. So the why for me is when I had this uh, life-changing experience, uh, and I'll get to share about that, uh, of an accident, that I felt alone, isolated, and didn't know what my next step in life was going to be. And I feel like every person in the world, youth, adults, experience heartache, loss, setbacks in life, adversity in general. And we need some tools to help us get through that and navigate through that. And I had a coach that helped challenge me to find a way in my life. And so he really just enabled me to find a way and I want to help other people find a way in their life as well. So that's, that's my mission is to help people find a way. Yeah. I love it. And that's, and that's who we want to bring on to the podcast, like people that have a mission and they're going to share that mission. So Brad, your, your tagline is find a way. And then I know we're going to hit that path, but why don't you give the audience um, kind of who is Brad Herdig and give us the background and just Take it away. That's great. Yeah. So I am from Northwest Ohio, small town. I live in a village of 800 people. So it's my wife and I. So there's we're two of the 800 people, and <laughs> I love it. It's it's quiet. You know, I get the opportunity to travel and leave quite a bit, so I get to come home to the quiet area. But my family's here. We all live within 30 minutes of each other. I've got a twin brother, three older brothers, mom and dad. And so this is where I grew up and I just decided to stay here as well. And it's fun to be able to connect with my family. Every Sunday we together, uh, have a meal and just see my nephews and uh, my, excuse me, one nephew and nieces and get to be with them. So it's fun to be around family, but grew up here was uh, always like a very hands-on. My dad is like a Mr. Fix-It, do-it-yourself kind of guy. So I learned a lot of hands-on skills from him. Sports was a big part of my life. Played football, basketball, baseball growing up. And uh, about halfway through high school, about sophomore year just finished up, uh, I was involved in an accident. And things dramatically changed for me there. You want me well, to share about that? Or I don't know how, I yeah, do. how far like, I get into it. 
part of me is like, I love that you're with your family, like you're around your family and that I have twin boys who are 14. So I love that you're still with your twin and like, that's part of your life. So I love that portion. Yeah. But you also alluded to the accident. So let's, let's lead into that. Cause this is where you start speaking to schools and, and staffs around kind of this find a way. So lead us through that story. Yeah. So I just got a random call from a good friend of mine named Keenan. His dad owned a factory in town and he was just calling to see if my twin Chris and I would be interested in working that night. We didn't know what we'd be doing, but we thought, yeah, let's, let's do this. So, you know, high school money is important. You know, anytime you can pick up some extra cash, it's helpful. So we'd be operating a 500 ton power press and it's a yeah, huge machine. It's used to bend form and put holes in a piece of sheet metal to make car parts. And, you know, it takes a lot of force, a lot of power to do that. In fact, I remember as we pulled up to this factory sitting in our cars in the parking lot, we could actually feel the vibrations of when this press would come down and stamp the metal inside. And I'd never been around something like this. I didn't know what was causing this. But as we walked in that night, got introduced to this press, uh, like I said, it's massive. It's 25 feet tall or something like that. And they actually cut out the cement in the ground and put it in the ground another five or six feet deep. So it'd be myself, my twin Chris and I, we'd be operating this press all throughout the night. And like I said, this is our first night there. So we we're still kind of learning how to operate everything and, and figuring things out. Uh, we, were, we were trained that night on what to do and how to operate it. But basically the whole operation was moving these pieces of sheet metal about the size of a piece of paper from one station within the press to the next station. And there are four different stations within this machine's press. So we developed a method where the three of us would step up to the press. We would move the piece of metal down one station, step back. And my friend Keenan would have to turn his back to the press so he could turn around and push the buttons. And that would of course activate the press. So it would come down and stamp the metal and go right back up again. And that was working well throughout the night. And we didn't have any issues until about halfway through. So this was about two o'clock in the morning that we moved the piece of metal, we stepped back, and I noticed that one of the pieces wasn't lined up right. It was crooked. And I knew that if the press would run, it was going to ruin that part. And so I instinctively reached back in to adjust it and not knowing at the same time that my, uh, my friend had turned his back to push the buttons. There are some light currents, thankfully, mounted to this press so that if someone were to do what I did, it doesn't operate. You can't actually, it won't come down. However, apparently I was thin enough or small enough. I was on the inside part. So reaching in that the lasers or the light curtains did not mm. detect me. And so as I'm reaching this 500 ton power press comes crashing down on both of my hands. Instantly, I, I didn't even know it happened. It was back up again. It's a very quick press. I leave the press. I walk away knowing that this is not good. I'm in a state of shock, but I'm going towards my boss to get help. And before I get to him, I think I need to see how bad this is. And then I look down and I see that basically my left hand is completely gone. My thumb is still intact. My index finger was hanging on by a thread of something. And the rest of the hand was completely gone. On the right hand side, then I look and see half of my arm was missing. So about four inches below my elbow is actually what remains at this point. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't need to see that again. It's bad. I need help. 
And by this time, my boss, he hears us uh, yelling. I mean, there's my twin, Chris, and obviously my uh, my best friend, Keenan, still at the press. And he hears some commotion. So he comes running over and he meets me at this point. And, you know, he's in shock. Uh, I've never seen his eyes so white and so big. And he just kind of grabs me by the back of my shoulders. And he's like, it's shaking me. He's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm just like a deer in the headlights, just like, you know, just don't know what to say. I don't think I actually verbally respond to him. I just kind of shrug my shoulders. Like, I'm not sure if I'm okay. And right. he just grabs me and leads me off to his vehicle. And he opens the door for me. I jump in and he actually drives me to the hospital. And at this point I start, cause there's enough time. It's just literally a couple minutes down the road, but there's enough time for me to think. And I think about my life, how different it's going to be. One of the things I thought about was sports, of course, at the time, that was a big deal to me. I was a record setting linebacker uh, as a sophomore on the varsity football team. And I was thinking that's, I'm never going to play football again, never going to play sports again. Saying that actually out loud, trying to almost convince myself of this reality because it mm-hmm. felt like a dream. And as I looked down, I, I didn't feel pain yet. I was still in that state of shock and to see my arm, half missing and most of my hand missing it just like i said felt like a dream and i was trying to sink in the the reality of this and grab a hold of that and then as we get closer to the hospital i start to feel pain it it starts to feel like my arms are on a fire because it's a really it's a burning sensation starts getting hot and we get to the hospital i'm not there that long my parents get called so the hospital has to wake them up in the middle of the night it's 2 30 at this point and informs them that one of their sons was just seriously injured in an accident. They need to get to the hospital. So they scramble, they get there. As they walk into the room, I still remember seeing their eyes just bloodshot and teary-eyed. And then they start to cry again and I start crying. It's a very difficult meeting for us at that time as a, a family. And, you know, we talk for a little bit, but we're not together long. I actually get lifelighted then from that hospital to a larger hospital and <laughs> kind of a funnier story to, to lighten things up maybe a little bit. I So I'm getting lifelighted to get there in a hurry. My parents driving by car actually beat me to the hospital that I'm being flown to. So they see me get out of the helicopter and I'm thinking like, why didn't I ride with you guys? You know, we kind of got here a little faster. But uh, so uh, I think dad was a little worked up and he, he was going a little fast, but so I get admitted to this hospital. I stay there for 11 days, go through multiple surgeries. And uh, I basically try to come home to start this new life without hands. And uh, that's a whole, that's a whole process for me, but yeah, I don't know if you want me to share more with that or. I mean, no doubt. So yeah, walk us through this. Cause typically you're telling this to a whole gym full of teenagers. Right. And my guess is just like my reaction. Like you can hear a pin drop. And right. And it's like, yeah. and Brad's nodding if you kids right in the audio. So it's like, you can hear a pin drop. So here's, you know, there's a thousand kids in the gym and there's a pin drop. And mm-hmm. so then how do you shift the story as they're all kind of leaning in? Like I can picture them on the bleachers, right? Like they're leaning in, there's a pin drop. Where do you go with this then? Yeah. So I, I continue on a little bit further with the emotional side of the story because I, when this, when I came home, it was trying to start this new life without hands and trying to figure this out. And there were ups and downs with that process. 
but it really came to a head, I think emotionally for me, this moment that I was actually laying on the couch at home and my, so I'm typically just a very active guy. I like to do things. I'm not type to sit at home or play video games or anything like that. And so my twins already at football practice throughout the summer. We have these kind of not technical practice, but he's out there and, you know, I would typically be there as well, but instead I'm laying on this couch and Normally, I wouldn't allow myself to think back on these things that I can't change. It's always just think ahead, move forward. But for whatever reason, I just felt impressed upon me to allow myself to actually go there and think about these things that I'm not thinking about and allowing myself to. And so as I kind of delve into this, I'm I'm thinking about not being able to play sports. Uh, I'm thinking about not being able to help my family we uh, were building a horse barn at the time. And so the last picture as a family we have together, it's of us boys and my dad. We all have our shirts off. It's like a week before this. And it's the last picture we have together as a family of me working and, and doing these things as well. And now I'm out, not out there and I'm watching from the window as I'm seeing them work and all these different things in my life that I'm not participating in. And it just felt so overwhelming and deeply sad. And uh, it really felt like that 500 ton power press was crushing down on me again. Uh, but this time in my heart, my spirit. And for me, I, I just cried out to God in that moment. You know, like, God, why? Why did you let this happen? You know, what, what am I supposed to do now? And I, I think we all face circumstances in life that we would never choose and yet for me in this moment, I did have this sense of peace, this calmness that I felt like I was going to be okay and that I can get through this. And so I got off that couch um, one day at a time trying to find a way through this. And one of the things that really helped me was my football coach. He invited me to rejoin the team. And I kept that in my mind. I wasn't quite ready at this point, but uh, it was about maybe six weeks after this story that I just shared with you that I make it out to a football practice and I'm just out there watching. And as I got thirsty, I'd walk up to the trainers and say, Hey, can I get a drink of water? And I wasn't able to pick a water bottle up. I didn't have prosthetic hands and I can talk about those in, in a moment. But so I'm out there with, you know, just my arm that's four inches below the elbow and the other arm that actually, I didn't share this, but uh, one of the surgeries uh, that I actually went to was to remove part of my left hand that was still remaining after the accident. So currently my arm ends at my, um, full arm radius and ulna bones, those arm bones end there. There's no wrist mm -hmm. or anything. Okay. So I, my arms are bandaged up and I, I'm i still sensitive. My arms are still sore. And so I'm asking these people to pick the water bottle up for me to give me a drink. And they do that. They're very kind. They're very helpful. Great process. End of practice. I see a water bottle sitting at my coach's feet and I'm thirsty. I point the water bottle to him thinking he's going to pick it up like the trainers have been doing for me the entire practice. Instead, my coach looks at the water bottle. He looks at me. He looks back down at the water bottle and he thinks for a moment. And then he says something that would ultimately change my life. He said, if you are thirsty enough, you will find a way. I was a little shocked. <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, like, jerk, like, why did you pick right. up the water? I don't it's have it. warming coach. Right, exactly, yeah. But like true football coach mentality, you know, yeah. he, he had that tough love and it didn't feel loving, but it was the most loving thing I think he could do for me. 
because he'd seen a way through this that I didn't see. And I kind of stepped back from that moment and let the emotion wear off. I realized like, yeah, I can do this. I can figure this out. So I drop down to my knees. I pick up the water bottle between my elbows, basically trying to pick it up. And I pull the cap with my mouth, squeeze the water bottle, get a drink, toss it back down to his feet with a big grin on my face. Like, yeah, what's up now? (laughs) (laughs) But he had like this proud father moment, smile on his face. And for me, it was a paradigm shift because I had realized that, yeah, if I can do this one thing, can certainly do other things in my life that I'm not trying or certainly putting my best effort towards. And so it began every day. I challenged myself to find a way. Yeah. And there was, yeah, so many different things with that. Well, I think that's part part of the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast, right? Is I know normally you're speaking to, you have some corporate um, speaking engagements that you have, but you speak to a lot of students, right? So it's like, well, if our audience is visionary leaders and teachers, like where does it fit? But how important was that coach at that moment, right? Like that's a moment that changed your life. And then the ripple effects from that, right. Of all the lives that you've changed since then, like it's so important. And in the day to day, education is really tough right now, but we forget about the impact. I think at times we forget about the impact that we can have on students with one small interaction, right. One inspiring quote, right. You might be one sentence away from inspiring a student for their entire life. And this coach did that for you. It's such a powerful moment for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think we can easily lose sight of those special moments for sure in the day to day. I mean, we're just human. That's what we we do. We, yeah. we get through our day. We're trying to get through our day. And uh, But yeah, that was a powerful moment for me. And it's something that has continued to stick with me. And I think my coach, they had a meeting, the coaching staff prior to this, they were very intentional, although that was a spontaneous moment. It was kind of birthed out of a bigger picture of how are we going, how are we going to handle Brad in this situation and coming back? And it was, we want to be there for him. We're going to support him, but he's going to have to figure this out. You know, mm-hmm. we'll, give, we'll give him the tools. We'll give him the support that he needs, but he has to figure it out himself. And I think that is is really helpful because um, kind of like the opposite side of my family approach where they're they're loving. They want to do everything for me to like trying to lift the burden from me. And that's 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 a helpful need. That that is a need that's important. But at the same time, I, I need to be independent. I need to figure this out on my own, too. And so to have my coach kind of step in and show that tough love of I'm here for you. You know, I'm, I've got you. You know, I'm in your corner but you're going to have to figure this out and to really step in those words of find a way. It is so inspiring for me uh, to know that, yeah, I can do this. I can figure this out and apply myself. So yeah, speaking those words, I think into, to my life were, was instrumental and hopefully it can encourage other people in those special moments of, yeah, being there for your students, right. And, and, and recognizing what they need, but also showing that tough love of, yeah, you can figure this out. You're smarter than you maybe realize and, and think. So, yeah, that's exactly what we talk about. As we talk about project based learning, I like guess not about, hey, we're going to do this for you. It's not like even the traditional mindset is like, we're going to speak words at you. You're going to digest them. You're going to thank me for them. Right. And it's a really passive role. So, we want to move kids where they're more engaged, they're more empowered. And again, it sounds like that's where coach took you. And then what's the, res- what's the result of that in this, in this football world? Like, as you keep going, like, yeah. 
are you the water boy? Like what, what happens here? Cause I know you're not, yeah. so I, I'm teeing that yeah. up for you, but I know you're not. <laughs> I know, that was a really good setup. I appreciate it. Uh, so yeah. So th- through that kind of mindset of find a way, and there's different aspects of that, that I think boil it down to me, what a find a way path looks like. And one of those is just having the right mindset. And, and so as you challenge me to, to look for the good, right. Look for the positive in each circumstance. So I had to continue to do that relentlessly look for the positive look for the opportunities so i think what we focus on is what we see most clearly in life every time so if we look for what we don't have the skill set or the the lack of opportunities that's what we're always going to see but if we look for the positive the good the skills that we might have and and try to hone on those i think we can you know get unstuck and kind of move forward and so as my coach was kind of working with me he's like the the big goal to come back to that position as a middle linebacker. That was a position I broke a school record at. And would I get there? None of us knew, but that was the goal. So we had a big goal and we were going to knock it down into kind of smaller, simpler goals first, take it one step at a time. That was really helpful, I think, in, in trying to persevere through this. And so we had, you know, kind of intermediate goals, like I said, to kind of work through that. But big picture getting to it is I eventually played a little bit my little uh, as a middle linebacker second team this uh first year coming back my junior year um but well yeah i guess i could there's a whole process maybe i should get a little deeper but i'll 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 skim in if we want to go deeper we can but ultimately i was able to come back my senior year i um, was able to regain my starting middle linebacker position i led my team with 111 tackles and end up uh, earning actually first team all ohio as a middle linebacker yeah. So it was it was quite a journey. Um, but for me to look back, even as I mentioned, the car ride to the hospital saying out loud, I'm never going to play sports again. And less than two years later, I end up being a first team all Ohio linebacker. Uh, it was quite a turnaround. And I think a lot of it was that starting point of the water bottle of that inspirational phrase of you can find a way. Right. And 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 you're playing football you're playing a physical sport here, right? And, mm-hmm. but you set small goals, you move forward, um, you know, on your website, you kind of got the story of like your first tackle even. And it's like, it's just such an exciting, inspirational story that you bring. And, and I don't care if you're a student or your staff and uh, like you get fired up about it. Right. So what are some, can you give us maybe like a student story, like somebody who's after an event maybe like, or something that they've kind of come up with, oh. you know, because they heard your talk or after that. Yeah, I, I am fortunate to hear a lot of feedback from students afterwards that come up and share and or in, not just the immediate, it's days later, social media reach out years later even. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just thinking of different things that I've heard from things like a student had shared. Uh, I, I do these evening rally things as well after the, the afternoon assembly and I saw another opportunity to engage with these students and one came up afterwards and just shared um, what well, the mom did with him, the, the son. And she was sharing uh, that he was considering taking his life that day. Hmm. And the assembly changed it so much. And he said, mom, we've got to go back and hear him again. This is, it's changing my life. And, and so we got to hear some feedback and talk to him a little bit about that, but hearing from anything from, a student struggling with their mental health and considering taking their own life uh, to things like uh, struggling in their own sport. Maybe they're dealing with an injury 
mm-hmm. uh, things to even like academically as well. Like I, I really felt like giving up on the school year and my teachers are telling me, you know, if you don't pass this grade, you're never going to get through it and finish it. And, but Brad, you've really inspired me that I really think I can do this and, and fight through this. And so, yeah, anything like there's all full spectrum of different kind of feedback where um, students feel like giving up, feel like they don't want to try anymore. And they, they yeah. hear a story where someone went through something that's difficult that pushed through and was able to find a way in a circumstance that didn't seem like there was a way. It, it helps them find out, well, yeah, I can raise the horizon and can look and, and see a little bit more beyond my circumstance and can find a way through this. And so that's that's so encouraging to me to know that something so tragic in my life can be used for good in someone else's life. Yeah, that, that's the power of story. And I think we all we all have a story. We, we all do. Yeah. Um, and so I think that we all need encouraged and inspired every day. And I'm just yeah. grateful that my story can do that for someone else. And I hope that encourages our visionary leaders that are listening is, is your story matters. Culture matters. Right. Like this is something that, you know, you, you bring Brad's talk or you know, whatever the talk is to inspire your teachers, to inspire your learners. That's work we need to do too. Like curriculum maps are important, formative, summative assessments, all that stuff. But you've got to have the engagement, the inspiration. Like, what is the feel of your school? Because if a student's in a place where, you know, like, they're thinking about taking their own life, they think they can't do it. Like, it's really hard to do math, right? Like, if you're in that position, yeah. right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, you, you can't overlook this step of, you know, the school assembly, even though it messes up your whole schedule for the day. Like, what does it do? Like, look at that side. What what does it do for for your learners? And Brad, you also, I also want to point out in your story, maybe you can share somewhere in here, like it, and we'll put all of your links and and so that people can see kind of what you do. Cause you've got a really great video kind of just showing like what an assembly could look like, but you put a lot of humor into your talk too, right? Like how, sure. how do you do that? Like, like, why do you do, cause your, your story like starts out, right? Like we're pretty emotional but I see kids laughing. Yeah. Like, how does that transpire? For sure. I mean, I try to use humor throughout the talk in different points. I think that's uh, humor there. Obviously there's a lot of science behind humor, what it can do for us um, in our stress and, and things. So I try to help the audience relax. I, I start off with some humor. Uh, a lot of it centers around my prosthetics. I mean, the prosthetics can be super awkward um, shaking people's hands. When I meet people, they're not sure if they should try to shake hands. Can they shake hands? Like, can I, do I, um, so I, there's just different stories. I guess I share, I'm thinking of this particular story here is a time that the first handshake ever, I picked up the prosthetics from the doctors. I got dropped off in a football practice. So I've only had them for a couple hours at this point, still trying to figure out how to use them. Uh, the, like the biggest guy on our football team literally walks up to me. He's like, Whoa, those are cool. Can you shake hands with them? I'm like, oh, I don't know. So I reached the prosthetic out there and I squeezed down. I, you know, what well, seems like I can't feel it. So I'm loading it going, looks and it's like, well, it looks like a nice, a firm grip. So I'm shaking his hand and I'm trying to let go and I can't let go. <laughs> and then, and then as I'm trying to let go, I'm starting to panic because he's starting to get a little nervous. He's like, let go. He's like trying to pull back a little bit. And so then I'm actually, thinking I'm opening the hand, I'm actually closing the hand even more. And so I'm <laughs> tightening down on him to the point I'm giving the full force of the prosthetic. And I kid you not, he ends up on his knees and he's like crying in front of the entire group for me to let go of him. 
I kind of feel bad, but it also kind of felt awesome. <laughs> but it, I mean, it, it, the big guy. It, yeah, yeah. literally break his hand. But it, it becomes a story afterwards where I kind of everyone is able to laugh a little bit about it. But yeah. uh, so there's awkward moments where this, you know, the act, you know, accident in the prosthetic is causing some weird scenarios and socially awkward scenarios. Uh, but any from that story to like my riding my ATV, I wasn't able to ride it because I had this adaption where you have to push a button on it. And so my brother put a twist throttle on it, like a dirt bike or ATV has, or so driving, I'm driving around, you know, having fun with this. I drove over this branch that apparently was still attached to the tree. The branch, I, as I drive over it, actually the wheel of the ATV pulls the branch down, disconnects the branch from the uh, tree. The branch slaps my arm, the throttle side. So I end up completely twisting the throttle instantaneously, which revs the engine up obviously so quickly that it takes off, throws me backwards, pulls both of my prosthetics out of my prosthetics or both my arms out of my prosthetics, leaving the prosthetics attached to the handlebars as I'm about to fall off the back of this thing. Uh, but it got it more intense because as the right arm is holding onto the handlebars, the prosthetic is continuing to can twist the throttle wide open as oh. I launch myself into this woods where there are trees everywhere. So you can picture this guy like falling off the back, you know, arms still attached to the handlebars the prosthetics are. And so as I'm flying through those woods, I'm trying to lift this arm up off the throttle, just quit twisting it, get my foot on the brake. And I literally get it stopped a couple of feet from hitting this tree head on. It was quite the <laughs> adrenaline rush. And so, yeah, just fun stories. Like at the time it wasn't so fun, but it was adrenaline rush. You know, I'm shaking and I push my arms back in the prosthetics and I very slowly drive it back up to the house and don't touch it for a couple of months after that. But yeah, but you uh, so I try to share stories like that. Right. You're telling it to a group of a thousand teenagers and you're getting them to crack up oh, while sure. while yeah. inspiring them, while like giving them the 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 feel right of of the different moments. And and kids remember that stuff and they take that into like they remember that they felt those things at school. Right. And it starts to build a culture. So I love I think I just use like this spark for great cultures in schools. Right. Like Brad's that that inspirational talk is the spark. And then as visionary leaders, we can fan that flame, continue and keep it moving. Brad, just and thank you so much for your, the work that you do in schools across the country. And thank you yeah. for coming on the podcast to, to share it with our audience. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure of mine. Hey, visionary leaders, go to bradherdig.com. Again, we'll have it in the show notes. Um, you can get an example of what uh, a talk could look what, look like, what the assembly would look like. Uh, you can see the reactions of the kids. Like this is somebody you want to have in your school giving this talk to help uh, fit that uh, culture that you're trying to build. And as you build that culture, you're going to see your learners be engaged. Once they're engaged, now you can start get them into the rigorous activities that you want to take them down so they can go out to those new opportunities in the world. And as you do that, you'll engage your learners, tackle boredom, and transform your classrooms. So go lead inspire. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the PBL Simplified Podcast. I appreciate you. I'm honored that you tune in each week. Would you please take two minutes to leave a rating and a review? When you leave a review, it lets the next person know that this is a podcast worth listening to. When they go into their player and search project-based learning and PBL Simplified popped up, when they see those reviews, they know that high-quality visionary leaders are listening, so they tune in too, and they can find their way into the PBL journey. Thank you so much for leaving a review. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you.